Saving money on protecting your garden. Now at Menards. Messina's Animal Stopper is a liquid repellent that prevents pesky animals from damaging your garden. Available in a convenient, ready-to-use bottle. It lasts for up to 30 days, regardless of weather and watering. Save big money on Messina's Animal Stopper at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals happening now. Legend has it, underneath the NJM insurance offices lies a mysterious room of long-forgotten, moldy mascot memorabilia, often pitched by ad agencies, always rejected by NJM. Is it real? We may never know. But what is real is NJM's dedication to doing what's right for their customers. Astoundingly, they're proud to put policyholders first. No jingles or mascots, just great insurance. Learn more at NJM.com. I always say that that moment and, and that challenge that was presented to me of when Trump came down the escalator, which spiraled and led me here, was a God-given moment. And I will tell you what it is that, that he's taught me that I think has been the greatest blessing of my life. He taught me, for the first time ever, how to love the American flag, how to love this country. And America loves you back. Candace Owens, part two, let's go. Welcome back to Fraudsters, everybody. I'm Cena Gazzetti at Cena Now on all social media. Justin Williams is here at Justin underscore Williams underscore comedy. And the incredible Ariel Lieti is joining us again for part two of our Candace Owens party. Ariel, oh, yeah. how was that last week? How did you feel after last week? I feel, again, overwhelmed by all the fraud, but I'm here and ready to party with you guys and Just talk shit about off. Candace Owens. I'm no, letting it wash no. over me. <laughs> like, oh, like a hydrating conditioner. It's um, not hydrating at all. I feel no. drier. <laughs> My hair is definitely drier after talking about Candace Owens. Fraudsters ruining foreplay for couples since 2020. <laughs> <laughs> I love Candace Owens. She makes me hot under the collar. Yeah. 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 Oh, no. She's oh, a cutie. No. Like, it's funny. I find no. her like physically attractive. No. But, but, uh, then, but no. then the evil comes out. And I'm like, oh, man. No. She looks She looks like Candace Owens looks like the woman my mom probably wanted me to marry. But she sounds <laughs> the way other black people think I think. <laughs> that is terrible wow i think that funny. she looks like she has no black friends left because her hair looks so fried all the time and sad yeah. she needs a trim she needs a wig she needs guidance damn damn i'm glad you're yeah. saying this stuff i couldn't say because I, I can tell the last clip you showed i was like god damn she needs a trim <laughs> this is this it was is distracting <laughs> yeah we're being nice if Paul Mooney were still alive, <laughs> be like Candace right. Owens needs he, to whoop that he hair. Died? Yeah, he's dead. Yeah, he did. Oh, he'd be like, she needs to whoop that hair. You know, Candace Owens wakes up looking like a bugaboo. <laughs> I'm tired of her. Candace Owens. I didn't know whether that was Candace Owens or a Thundercat. I go, when did Thundercat become a Republican? 
Yeah, that's exactly what he would say. Yeah. You got it. <laughs> and, and black women in the audience would be like, say it, Paul. <laughs> All right. Well, today I think we're going to cover her as a right wing star and the rise of how all this happened. Now, can I just say, oh I went through her YouTube page and stuff like that, and I, I refuse to play anything from it. It's so bad. It's yeah. so, it's like nails on chalkboards. If you want to go do that to yourself, you can. We have some other clips that speak to more of the fraudy money, stuff right? she's done. She gets paid yeah, exactly. if I look at her video, so I'm not doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's just like word salad stuff, so it's like yeah. the communist socialist liberals don't want you to know about things. They want you to cower in the face of these threats. Immigrants. You don't Black lives. <laughs> you know, it's like, what? Yeah. 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 She, yeah. she quotes Thomas Sowell a lot, actually, that, that you've talked about, Justin, before. She yeah, quotes yeah. that guy a bunch. Yeah, yeah. Thomas Sowell, if you don't know who he is, is like the intellectual sort of like anti-black, black conservative so he basically has this centralized thesis of basically black cultural inferiority. And he writes all of these books and gives all of these like lectures and things. But he totally like if if you're an actual academic and like other black academic, like he makes sure that he's insulated from criticism. He only does like white audience, white right wing audiences because mm -hmm. uh, he like cher he like per he cherry picks facts. He does all this stuff to always make his like narrative work. Uh, and oh, racism is has actually no impact on uh, Black history. And uh, another thing that he's uh, also sort of kind of started pushing is like he starts inferring that slavery was good for Black people because mm -hmm. throughout all world civilizations, slaves were uplifted by the civilizations that enslaved them. That's kind of mm -hmm. like so. It's like it's like it's like academic anti-Blackness. So he's like actually a huge darling uh, among like. You know, a guy that's not racist will go, have you read this? Uh, he'll, he'll claim he's not racist. He's like, I love black people. Have you read this Thomas Sowell book? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. it's like, it's a bunch of white supremacist talking points with footnotes, nice. you know. Uh, so she get, I guess she realizes that engaging in harassment rather than anti-harassment is the way to build an audience. Interesting. Damn right. So in September 2017, Candace Owens promoted a new website and YouTube channel, both called Red Pill Black. And through that platform, <laughs> Owens championed herself as the poster child for. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that sounds like, like something that, that that sounds like a malt liquor sold in poor black neighborhoods yo you had that red pill black red pill black <laughs> i hate it through that platform owens championed herself as the poster child for black conservatism conservatism in america and identified as a reformed liberal in many of her videos Wowee. She noted the issues in Democrat-led cities just as Chicago and claimed that the plight of Black Americans could be gone forever if they switched parties and started supporting the conservative movement. She noted that she believed <laughs> that the main issues in the Black communities stemmed from, quote, a system of government dependency. God, yeah. and a lack of present fathers in Black homes. I'm throwing up. It is not reported when this YouTube channel shut down. Yeah, That's just, Thomas Sowell, by the way. Can you break that down, that, this, this myth? Oh, ah, okay. That's yeah, that, that, that's all, Tom, that's all that Thomas Sowell. Where does that It comes from like the kind of like welfare queen myth that comes out of the like post like civil rights picks up traction with the Reagan revolution in the 80s. It's this idea that all black people are sort of undeserving living off government assistance and that that government assistance led down to the breaking of the 
black family, right? Uh, is is like one of those ideas, right? If like if if a black woman who's a single mom is allowed to go on welfare, then she doesn't need to have a man, and that led to all these things in the home. Well, what, what's interesting about these people is they'll never mention like the war on drugs and mass incarceration is breaking up the black family, like that 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 will never be part of their analysis, yeah. or like you know sending like black men in disproportionate numbers to fight the Vietnam War, uh, you know like you know bad you know outcomes in education or anything. So it's 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 finding a way of blaming black people for everything that has happened to them in America. It's like if you just voted Republican, your problems would disappear. And it's like, no, if we all voted Republican, all the racist white people would become Democrats again, because that's what happened. <laughs> so that's what yeah. happened in the 1960s. In the clips that I saw, she has these like conversations with people and she frames it all very much like it's black people's choice to be doing these things. And yeah. they have a choice to not do it. And it, is it just willful ignorance to ignore like the systemic, like the systems that create that environment? Yeah. Well, if you, yeah, if you start off with the premise that there is no systemic racism. So, so what it is, is playing to the white audience that doesn't want to either believe there's racism or, you know, like, right. Or they want to believe that black people are the source of their own problems. Cause it goes even beyond. It's like, yeah, there's levels of personal responsibility that can lead to someone's problems. But if you ignore structural issues, mm -hmm. it's like, I don't like, I don't care if you grew up in a poor, like if you're, if you're, if you grew up in Kensington, Philadelphia, I don't care how many parents you got in the home. If you're going to those public schools, you're surrounded yeah. in that social environment. You're around that job market. You're stigmatized by even within the bounds of that city. Right. So it's, just, it's, it's like, it's like pretending we live in some kind of ideal society. Yeah. Uh, and it's doing it, uh, you know, precisely cause it's like a pattern of like victim blaming. Right. Mm hmm. So even when there's obvious examples of discrimination, they'll say it doesn't exist, right? Uh, like it's like Rodney King, if he would stop put, if he wouldn't have been speeding, then those batons wouldn't have had to have hit him on the head mm -hmm. like sort of 400 times. That's yeah. the kind of yeah. logic that you get. Ah, clarity. Well, that, that kind of leads us to our, <laughs> to our later point, but we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there, guys. Um, so on November 21st, 2017, founder of Turning Point USA, Charlie Kirk, announced Owens as the organization's director of urban engagements. And you all know what that means. <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck does that mean? Does that mean black urban parties? The blacks. What does that yes. mean? The blacks. It means the blacks. That's We're the it. only people. Anytime you hear the word urban, when you, know you say. Means. You know what that means. Like when you hear. When you hear a commercial. <laughs> When you're a commercial for uh, for urban radio versus like <laughs> regular radio is always like, hi, welcome to 1-800-THE-BUZZ. <laughs> then urban radio is like, 199. <laughs> <laughs> I want to give a big shout out to Buster Rhymes. You listening live to Funkmaster Flex. <laughs> One. That's like the commercial. That's different. Yeah. That's and a different. And like a yeah, Tyler Perry live stage play commercial comes on. <laughs> Steve, Steve Harvey live for 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. That's urban radio. That's it. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got it. This announcement was made at the MAGA rally and expo in Rockford, Illinois. Owens yeah. and Kirk would then spend the next two years touring college campuses with turning point speaking engagement called Campus Clash. 
Kirk made claims during an appearance that the radical left and Antifa would show up at the events with weapons. Oh no. This narrative was further spread through the Turning Points newsletter to email subscribers. The pair attempted to push the narrative that free speech has been tyrannized by its safe spaces and political correctness and liberal professors and socialist groupthink. Yuck. Owens pushed anti-Black rhetoric at these events, stating that Black liberals need to stop talking about racism. Stop it right now. She noted, I can't think of the last Asian I ran into that talked about internment camps, but Black people always want to talk about slavery. Should I bring yeah, my wife in a- here? Because she talks about internment camps. And she's- oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah it turns out... Yeah, it's it's model minority myth, and it's also yes. part of the Republican yeah. Party strategy of playing black people against other uh, minorities, right? So you'll you'll see if a black person says something anti-Semitic, the Republican Party is going to kind of seize on that, and yeah. they've been playing black people and Asians against each other for especially with college admissions. Mm-hmm. That's that's like particularly their game. The irony of this though is that. Uh, yeah, uh, Asians did talk about internment a lot. In fact, they actually went to court and got reparations for it, yeah. which is something <laughs> oh, that, that. Uh, yeah. No. You guys yeah, got no. reparations, though, right? You guys got that. Uh, no, uh, we did uh, not get No? What? Um, I feel like that's unfair. I feel like you guys should no. get some reparations. We, let no? me tell you what we got. Well, let me tell you what we got out of our service <laughs> in the Union Army. We got the beautiful right to then be on the same plantation we were slaves on as sharecroppers. Oh, uh, so that's what that's what we got as far as reparations. We so, also have okay. plantations as wedding venues now, yeah. <laughs> and so like sets fun. of TV shows, right? Yeah, Don't they have I love that. that that's fucking insane. The closest thing you could say we got reparations is like out of white flight. We got some parts of cities that if we can hold on to them are actually very valuable now. Mm. Yeah, it's true. You know the model minority like got- thing resonates a lot too because. <laughs> The you know, the like Republicans I think have always viewed like my family or like me and my brother as like model minorities, but they don't understand is like our existence in this country is like we know what an oppressive system is and we can see it happening here and it's very clear. It's almost like we we know what it's like. We know the system. We that my parents fled the system, so now we're here. We're like, oh look, this song is playing again. <laughs> Who would have thought? And it's like this, you know. Yeah, it's fucking. Well, you can, and and you also know when somebody only likes you when they're trying to use you against another group. Yep. Like it's like you don't really like Iranians if you're a white nationalist. You, the only time you <laughs> like them is when you're comparing them to black people. It's also yeah. like you don't like Asians either because yep. the minute uh, Asian students are outperforming white students, that then then you then you're actually suing because there are too many Asians on campus. Um, yep. you know, so, you know, it's just like, it's very transparent stuff, which is why it doesn't really pick up that much traction, but it gives you a sense that it's, it's rhetoric about black people is not for black people. It's for white people, That's which is why life. she started in Rockford, Illinois and not Chicago. <laughs> In March 2018, Owens also began appearing on Fox News as a guest host. On March 4th, during a segment on Fox News called Dems Target the NRA, after the tragic, I know, literally after the tragic Parkland shooting the previous month, (laughs) uh, Owens began discussing how she felt that the National Rifle Association was founded as a civil rights organization that protected black people from the KKK. 
I this love has this. been debunked a million times. If the NRA was founded to protect black people from uh, white violence, it would be the most popular civil rights organization in the history oh. of the United States. And yeah, you wouldn't absolutely. have to you wouldn't have to be like, by the way, I need to bring this fact up. You it, <laughs> like it would it, like there would be so many black people with guns. It would be dope. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like, like, yeah. What she's describing is like this dope alternate future or alternate yeah, past. What, you know what I mean? Yeah. What rapper has like repped the NRA in like a song? What have they referenced? Only, that oh, there's only one, and there's only one, and he's a contrarian. Uh, it's uh, only like Killer Mike. Killer Mike is oh, actually oh, big in the NRA. Killer Mike. Yeah. Killer Mike. Killer Mike. Uh, I want better for him. What do you guys feel about? I feel every I sometimes I watch a video of him. I'm like, okay, Killer Mike, I see you. And then other times I'm like, what are you doing, Killer Mike? Why are you making points? And then he'd be not making points. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that's that's the status of Killer Mike. Yeah, he's making points, and then he stops making the points. He's yeah, he's a black nationalist, but he's also actually he's actually profoundly conservative. And people yes. when they see a black guy saying a lot of like strong rhetoric, they think it's like liberal. But I'm like, mm-hmm. no, if you actually listen to what he's saying, he's actually like he's like actually right wing in a lot of ways. He's like a, yeah. almost like a capitalist, or do you think it's more like social conservatism? No, he's yeah. a very much a capitalist. Yeah, he's Booker yeah. he's Booker T. Washington. I think it's is, like yeah. that. Yeah, uh-huh. I get that vibe too. Um also in March twenty eighteen. Owens began appearing on PragerU's YouTube channel and later had her own show called The Candace Owens Show on the same channel. She's just not good at coming up with names for things. Yeah. Um, right. The Candace, the Candace, Owens, the give it up for Candace Owens! <laughs> it's like Arsenio. Yeah, I understood. Yep. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we got it. We got it. We okay. got it. The woof 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 really. Yeah, what did you I didn't know people more. still do that reference. It's like 30 years old now. <laughs> I, we, like, always we are is the also same 30, age. 30, yes, we're the same age. <laughs> and I've seen Passenger 57, okay? All right? I have not. I have not. Around 2018, Owen gained the public support of Donald Trump after a video of her berating black protesters at UCLA went viral. She called the Black Lives Matter protesters privileged Americans obsessed with shouting about slavery. She also gained the support of Kanye West, who tweeted, I love the way Candace Owens thinks on April 21st, 2018. Mm, that aged so well. Oh, that boy. Aged so well. <laughs> the thing is that she didn't realize... When you get Kanye West support, that's not a good thing. And Kanye figured this out, too, and she's figuring it out. Uh, she figured it out, right? Is the difference between the left and the right is the left is we're, 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 we will cancel you. The mm. right will take anybody who, like, if you say their stuff and you're against who they're against, they'll take you in. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Absolutely. They're very inclusive on their message. <laughs> in that way, yeah. <laughs> in, that. in a very specific way. Um, Early February 2019, Owens received backlash for comments she made about Hitler during an event in London in December 2018. The clip went viral that February. She was asked a question about nationalism and responded she didn't have any problem at all with the word nationalism, a word she characterized as often being attributed to Hitler. She continued, I think the definition gets poisoned by elitists that actually want globalism. Globalism. Those are both anti-Semitic dog whistles, by the way. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Big time. Well, globalism is what I don't want. Whenever we say nationalism, the first thing people think about, at least in America, is Hitler. 
you know, he was a national socialist, but if Hitler just wanted to make Germany great and have things run well, okay, fine. (laughs) (laughs) I think you got the the cadence perfect, I think, on that. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I love this version of Hitler as just like a good Samaritan. I'm oh, just no, no, trying yeah. to make Germany good. Honestly, just, if he's just like trying to make Germany great again, like it, what's the problem? It, Hitler, Hitler was just type A. He was just very organized. He had spreadsheets. He just wanted things to run really well. really get the Come problem. On. Okay. <laughs> Not great. How does this, uh, this whole anti-Semitic thing is just seems so... Strange, and it happens all the time. Yeah, it comes because up are. so often. Most conspiracy theories are ultimately rooted in anti-Semitism because like, Jews have always yeah. been the targets of... So if you're using a lot of conspiratorial language, it's like, if, of course... Of course, you're going to end up arguing Hitler was just some like he was just a guy, right? And like yeah. you see, like you see, like a lot of these conspiracy theory stuff. Even that film that Kyrie tweeted, right? It quotes uh, Adolf Hitler, <laughs> like as yeah. like a source on the Jews. It's like you know, if you want to know the truth about the Jews, you would obviously ask, you know, Adolf Hitler. You know what I mean? Uh, so you see a lot of that, like Hitler uh, stuff, and that's where the that's where the people like very much like ultimately out themselves. The dog whistles become like. A bullhorn, and you could tell Kanye does listen to Candace Owens because this is actually what's coming out now that Kanye West like admires Hitler, like the yeah. people that that it's been kept quiet, and that he actually settled with a former employee to keep that quiet. Yes, uh, the TMZ uh, situation. Yeah, all of this stuff is coming out now. Yeah, like yeah, the interviews where he's talking like good about Hitler, and they buried parts of it for him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that yeah, it's this it's. Yeah, he got caught. He got caught up in this. Maybe she influenced him. You know, like here's a clip of Candace Owens talking about Hitler from the Young Turks that did some great highlights of her. So shout out to them. When you think about whenever we say nationalism, the first thing people think about in at least in America is Hitler. You know, he was a national socialist. (laughs) But if Hitler just wanted to make Germany great and have things run well, okay, fine. Period. Period. So right there, okay, fine. If you just wanted to perfect. Your country, no one's no one's gonna get in your way. Not America, okay? And then she goes on to say problem is is that he wanted he had dreams outside of Germany. He wanted to globalize, he wanted everybody to be German. And thinking about that seems like the biggest problem, that he had dreams of globalizing. He wanted well, everyone to be German. Well, it's don't like we want everyone to be American? Isn't that just patriotic? No, but it's like weird on a lot of levels. She's like, when you first think of nationalism, at least in America, we always think Hitler. And it's like, no, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I, like maybe we think of like Colin Powell mm. or, you know, Thomas Jefferson. Like to say Hitler is not, like Hitler's like the darkest form of nationalism. Nobody's mind immediately goes there. And then when she says like, oh, the problem was it was the global. Also, uh, globalism and elites are also like uh, dog whistles for Jews, by the way. Yep. yep. Um, and then also like saying, well, if he'd have just stayed in Germany, that's fine. It's like, well, yeah, if only the Holocaust only consisted of Germany's Jews, then it would have been fine. It's like, no, it wasn't fine. The Holocaust would still be happening in Germany. Like this, I mean, like that is like that is it's just such a crazy set of state. It's like if, as long as he stayed in Germany and he just put all the Jews and the LGBTQ people and the mixed race people and the handicapped people, it, those people in the gas chambers, then it would have been fine. His problem was. That invading he wanted the Belgium. whole world to do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's And that's my problem. He wanted everybody to be German. And thinking about how it could go bad down the line, I don't really, 
I don't really have an issue with nationalism. I really don't. <sighs> but it's it's also somebody who's trying to use talking points from the like a side that doesn't know his. It's like it's like don't ever use other people's words in public because you don't know what you're talking about. And that's also yeah. kind of this. Like she doesn't. She also doesn't even grasp like what she's saying because she's just trying to speak this like internet neo-Nazi language, you know? Yeah, she's again word salad. She's just saying things. Yeah. But she's like, she eventually saying, I'll get somewhere. She says it with such conviction that it's very compelling in these audiences. And even when you're watching She learned it, how to do to, that. Yeah. She learned how to do that from her YouTube days, from her uh what is that, social autopsy days, just like saying <laughs> things that make no sense, but with conviction. Yeah. And that's really the Trump era, isn't it? That is true. That's the internet. Is. That, yeah, that's yeah. the internet as well. Or the cop out. I like now or just being like uh, the thing now, if, even if you don't want to say things with conviction, you put like your face at the bottom of a TikTok and then you put like <laughs> Louis Farrakhan above you and then you just like kind of point up towards them and you like nod your head. <laughs> yeah and it's making like, points. Yeah, and it's like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Why are you nodding along to this here? So- in April 2019, Owens was asked to speak at the House Judiciary's Committee about white nationalism on social media. She said that she believes the Democrats represent a plantation mindset. She argued that white nationalism is a democratic trope invented to scare black people and that the myth of things like the Southern switch, the Southern strategy just never happened. The Southern strategy, infamously articulated by Reagan advisor Lee Atwater, was a Republican electoral strategy to capitalize on the racial animus to siphon white voters from the Democratic Party. It is a very well-known political switch that happened during the Reagan administration and was a point of contention in American politics for quite some time. Yeah, and that's that thing about bringing up that Democrats founded the Ku Klux Klan and that the Democrats were the party of the Jim Crow South and things, that, that that's like super important. Uh, and it is, it's true, but you have to also ignore that all those people became Republicans due to the Southern strategy. And so yeah. what you do is you just deny the existence of the Southern strategy, mm -hmm. even though it's one of the only like conspiracies that the people that did it have actually come out and said, like, even like Nixon officials are like, hell yeah, we were trying to get those racist white votes after like the second LBJ signed the civil rights and voting rights act. He said, we just lost the South for a generation. That's like the first thing he said. And he was absolutely right. Ariel mentioned Lee Atwater, and I want to play a clip that was recorded of Lee Atwater explaining the coded racism that he implemented for Nixon that became the Southern strategy, that became the silent majority that we've heard so much about and all of these dog whistles that we've heard. Now, super big trigger warning here. We are purposely not bleeping out the N-word because we want you to hear exactly how awful this person was and how insidious this strategy was. Is, is how abstract you, you handle the race thing. In other words, you start out in, and now y'all aren't quoting me. You start out in 1954 by saying nigger, nigger, nigger. By 1968, you can't say nigger. That hurts your backfire. So you say stuff like uh, force busing, states rights and all that stuff and you're getting so abstract now you're talking about cutting taxes and all of these things you're talking about are totally economic things and the byproduct of them is blacks get hurt worse than whites and subconsciously maybe that is part of it i'm not saying that but i'm saying 
that if it is getting that abstract and that coded, uh, that, that we're, we're doing away with the racial problem one way or the other. Uh, you follow me? Because obviously sitting around saying uh, we want to cut taxes, we want to cut this, and we want is much more abstract than, than even the busing thing, uh, and a hell of a lot more abstract than never knew, you know. So I, any way you look at it, race is coming on the back burner. And Candace and her friends are calling this a myth. It's it's very funny to say it's a myth because the people that created it are like, yeah, we did that on purpose. People don't say they don't say anything. They they they, they don't realize that that it was actually a grift. Like they got it was it was deliberate manipulation. Yeah, there's a reason why when Ronald Reagan declares like right when he's running for president, he like has a major rally in Philadelphia, Mississippi. You know, that mm-hmm. great metropolitan area of Philadelphia, Mississippi. And he gives this whole speech about, like, states' rights. It's like, yes, he's he's going for the white working class's vote. Save big money on protecting your garden. Now at Menards. Messina's Animal Stopper is a liquid repellent that prevents pesky animals from damaging your garden. Available in a convenient, ready-to-use bottle. It lasts for up to 30 days, regardless of weather and watering. Save big money on Messina's Animal Stopper at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals happening now. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. you are bpm's high sweat dripping body moving tongue panting you're working hard real hard and you're thirsty you need vitamins nutrients for peak performance and energy and your plants do too Aww. i mean just look at the little guy water soluble plant food from miracle grow is full of essential nutrients just a little scoop into your watering can and boom instant feeding and bigger more beautiful plants it's kind of like a sports drink for your plants you may have to suffer from heat but your plants do not And let me play the opening of her congressional testimony. By the way, she's testified in front of Congress multiple times. Like the right has called her as a witness several times because she is a compelling speaker. And she's the only black person that will argue their point of view. Like think about <laughs> yeah. think, yeah. think yeah. about how think about how far she's come though. She's failing websites like four years since it. Now she's like testifying before Congress multiple times. This is why yeah. people like this do stuff like this. There we go. Uh, Mr. Chairman, Ranking Member, Mr. Collins, uh, thank you for having me here today. I received word on my way in that many of the journalists were confused as to why I was invited. And none of them knew uh, that I myself uh, was the victim of a hate crime when I was in high school. That's something that very few people know about me uh, because the media and the journalists and the left are not interested in telling the truth about me because I don't fit the stereotype of what they like to see in black people. I'm a Democrat. I support the president of the United States, and I advocate for things that are actually affecting the black community. I'm honored to be here today in front of you all because the person sitting behind me is my 75-year-old grandfather. 
I've always considered myself to be my grandfather's child, and I mean to say that my sense of humor, my passion, and my work ethic all comes from the man that is sitting behind me. My grandfather grew up on a sharecropping farm in the segregated South. He grew up in an America where words like racism and white nationalism held real meaning under the Democrat Party's Jim Crow laws. My grandfather's first job yeah. was given to him at the age of... Yeah, like, how, how, how can she just ignore the, the actual system that is now existing? Like, they don't need to wear hoods to create, like, the, the war on drugs is clearly, I mean, the, the government admitted to dumping crack cocaine into, into like, places like Compton. I mean, this is, like, clearly, well, it's evidence. Well, it's, if you, it's called moving the goalpost, right? If, go, yeah. if racism is not the Jim Crow South, then it's mm. not really racism. Yes. It's like saying, if, it's like, it's like saying if, if, if there aren't gas chambers, then there's no such thing as anti-Semitism, right? Yeah. It's you, you, you yeah. put the goalpost so impossibly high that the threshold for racism becomes like impossible to prove, right? Uh, and also the fact that she throws like Democrat party in there. It's like, yeah, it's, it's like true, but it's like inconsequential to what she's saying. And yeah. then it's also, well, we'll get to this next point too. It's also a rhetorical trick that a lot of people uh, like use on the on the right, like uncritically. Age of five years old, and his job was to lay tobacco out to dry in an attic in the South. My grandfather has picked cotton, and he has also had experiences with a Democrat terrorist organization of that time, the Ku Klux Klan. They would regularly visit his home, and they would shoot bullets into it. They had an issue with his father. Look at the black woman sitting next to her, by the way. So disappointed. But not once, not in a single breath of a conversation, did my grandfather tell me that I could not do She's something because cutting of my her skin eyes color. At her. Not once wow. did my grandfather hold a gripe against the white man. I was simply never taught to view myself as a victim because of my heritage. I, I learned about faith in God, family, and hard work. <laughs> That woman next door is literally, I think she's holding her breath. I think she's holding yeah. her breath. The rage is. She's going to do the, the ultimate. I can't do the, the teeth sucking <laughs> yeah. noise, but, but you have to understand yeah. that that's what's going to happen at the end. There isn't a single adult today that in good conscience would make the argument that America is a more racist or a more white nationalist society than it was when my grandfather was growing up. And yet we're hearing these terms framing the debate in ways that no one's framing it. That brown yeah. people yeah. need to be scared, which seems to be the narrative that we hear every four years right ahead of a presidential election. What is what is she trying to say? What is the point of her? What is the point of that? It's all just like you should be mad at black people if they ever talk is like it's like it's like her whole thing is like if black people ever say if a black person gets a headache, a white person's response should be stop complaining about this country. It's given you everything. It kind of reminds me when Amanda Judd, the, the former president of Iran, came to the United Nations and he basically told the United Nations how bad America is because of Abu Ghraib and Guantanamo. And it's like taking these um, things that are bad in a society, right, and blowing them out to the systemic problem of everybody, right? And so Democrats have not done well when it comes to fixing certain issues with structural racism and stuff. So, of course, they are the Ku Klux Klan. It's like taking that to yeah. the absurd end of it and that's her whole platform now yeah and she's also ignoring what's ironic is she's giving this testimony right as black people are actually achieving more institutional power than they've ever had in the united states of america right so for her to yeah. claim that black people are sitting around complaining the opposite is actually true it's like Barack Obama's running for president. You have mayors of major cities that are black. You have the largest black congressional uh, con uh, you know, delegation in history, right? That is uh, 
overwhelmingly in the Democratic Party. Your next minority uh, leader in the House is actually going to be a black Democrat, you know? So, you know, this like thing where it's just like black people sitting around complaining, it's like, no, black people are achieving social progress, which is why you someone like Candace Owens needs to exist for those people, right? Because it, yeah. cause it yeah. can't be that black people are actually achieving things. It has to be that white liberals are... I don't know what, like, you know, whatever their word salad is to describe their reality, right? February 4th, 2020, Owen's book, Blackout, How Black America Can Make Its Second Escape from the Democratic Plantation. I just, I would just want to stop there because who is helping her with her titles of things? It seems well, like no one. No one. It, it lets you, it lets you know, like, the sort of irony about, like, black conservatives like this, right, is how they're mess, like, how they pretend they're trying to get more black people to join them, but they use the most, like, offensive language possible that's, like, stop telling me I'm on a plantation because I voted for a black Democratic politician. <laughs> that's really <Yeah>. offensive. <laughs> stop, like, stop telling me that. Stop using the word plantation. Tyler Perry's Blackout, How Do Black America Can Make It Second Escape from the Democratic Plantation, <laughs> is public by Simon & Schuster. Medea Leaves the Plantation, <laughs> who would sell so much better than this book title. Honestly, yeah. And becomes a New York Times bestseller around October of that year. Wow. I think anyone can make a New York Times bestseller. The book talks about her riff on the British Brexit with her ripped off idea of an American Blexit or the exit of black Americans from the Democratic Party. The original Blexit of idea came from Malia Connolly in 2016, in which she had the goal of achieving black economic independence by encouraging black Americans to abandon the financial institutions that had historically disenfranchised them. The organization wanted to address racial oppression at large through economic activism and black owned institutions by exiting the financial system of oppression. It's about starting to build a system that can support us and be a healing institution for this country, said co-founder Jonathan Banks. The original Blexit organization served Owens with two cease and desist letters for co-opting their term. <laughs> yeah, this was an actual nonprofit based out of Minnesota that was trying to do real work. And Candace Owens just straight up stole it and had yeah. Kanye West do the branding for the logo for their new Blexit as well, which was not super successful. So I have oh uh, some clips from her doing a Blexit in Baltimore and that she did these events. Now we have some stuff on how the nonprofit <laughs> went that I want Ariel to get into for sure. But, but listen, so I found she did a lot of these Blexit talks. Are we going to be able to hear this over all the booing or the silence of <laughs> black people that didn't show up? Like, there's no way this, like, either black people didn't show up or it was the Apollo, like, this booing is, somebody. This is why I actually pulled a clip of the person, the end of the person speaking before her, because I just wanted to give a sense of, like, what what the what the lineup for this show is. Let's see. This is this the guy that was speaking before Candace Owens. He's wearing a red Blexit T-shirt. His hair has the pompadour and a half, and mm. he's he's got this crowd on the edge of their seats. Oh wait, and just just to say, this man is white, and in the shot I saw here, there are no black people at this. Thing. No, no, there, no there's think, in think, the front I think, row. I can see one. Row. I can see like I think one black guy. I think it's someone with their kid too. Yeah, it's a it's a black man. That looks like a child. 
Yeah, there's two black people, but this is an auditorium. This yeah, is a, you're right. It's an auditorium. Is, you know, <laughs> you, shouldn't be, you shouldn't be able to pick the one black person in an auditorium. <laughs> I see him. I see him. At a black event. There's no black people on stage. There's like two black people in the audience. That's let's a play paid this. actor. Yeah, let's play this guy. This guy okay. sounds, this is going to be real good stuff. It's going to be like Farrakhan. What defines every American is not the color of their skin, but the ideas that they hold. And the left has manipulated those ideas into a never-ending struggle that aims to destroy America and keep minorities down forever. And we're here to change that. Oh, look at that fist. Thank you, everyone. Wait, Thank you. hold, please. He, there's a sign that says no reparations and no student loan forgiveness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like an X on it. Yeah, <laughs> no more bribes from the left. Your, why yeah. would you not want to forgive student loans? Well, I, I think they're racist, so they don't want to get rid of um, reparations, whatever. They don't want a handout. Oh, is that what that is? But it's also uh, like it's also two very different levels of reparation. It's like it's like I'm against World War II, and also traffic lights on Third yeah. Street. It's like what? <laughs> you put reparations and student loans in the same <laughs> banner. They can, and they have. Yeah, and then it says no more excuses from the left. Can we put can we put African drums over the end of that speech? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then, so then after this guy talks, they bring up Candace Owens, or they play a video called The Promised Land, which we're not going to play here because it's awful. It doesn't even it's not even oh, funny. It shows Martin Luther oh, King, and then it shows like Clarence Thomas. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> and, then, and then they have this very elaborate uh, intro of. Uh, for <laughs> Candace, here it is. It's the Chicago Bulls intro from. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, please give a big welcome to your Blexic founder and final speaker, Candace Owens. <laughs> I mean, absolutely adorable. The promised land. Don't you guys get chills when you hear MLK speak? I mean, I don't want to speak after him. I really don't. But I'm going to anyways. How amazing are our speakers, right? (laughs) Give them a round of a hand. And they get, I wanted to include, because give them a round of a hand. It's just clearly someone that's just doing word salad. You know what? Whenever she uh, <laughs> does come on stage, like, yes, she'll, seem, she'll sound very confident, but it also does seem like it's her first time on stage ever. Like, yeah. I don't know what to do with my hands. I don't know what to do with the mic. Who should I talk to? Am I doing crowd work? I don't know. It's very uh, first day on the job. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, and, and it's why these people stick to Twitter because, like, yeah, uh, yeah or Instagram or something. Because the, the first minute presence. they're on public, you're like, this, oh, this is a weirdo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was also like a lot of fanfare. They just had like the Kanye West song blasting, and then it's just her coming out. Hi guys. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> she so didn't we- even like pump up the crowd. It's so funny to just play a Martin Luther King speech too. It's just like. It's so it's like it's this is like the kind of like mental gymnastics where it's like in order to appear not racist, we're going to try to like co-opt Martin Luther King for like our anti-black messaging. Yeah. And it's like even if they wanted to co-opt King, like, you know, like, you know, the the beginning of the um, 
I have a dream speech. Like everybody just quotes all the stuff later, but like the first like part of it is actually like a call for reparations. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, we've worked for 400 years in this country with no payment. And we continue to, and it's like totally like setting up like the rationale for reparations. It's like, I wonder what part of King they played. Like, uh, (laughs) it's just that little tiny, I have a dream bit. Yeah, he just yeah, said, I have always. a dream that, and then they dubbed it over, that Candace Owens will be <laughs> the. <laughs> also, and then there's this other part where, again, she's talking about a childhood story, but it's not the one from high school. It's actually one from much earlier that I wanted to play for you guys. I was five years old when I had my first play date. I didn't go to preschool, so my whole existence was where we lived in this low-income housing, housing structure in Stamford, Connecticut. I didn't know anything outside of it. Everything I saw every day was black people and Hispanic people. And then I went to school and my first friend, her name was Lindsay and she invited me over for a play date and I was so excited to go. And when we got to her house, I was shocked as we were driving that the house just got bigger and bigger and bigger. I said, oh my goodness, do do people live like this? I went went into Lindsay's house and, and she had this beautiful big white house in Sanford, Connecticut, and, and she had a nanny, and everything was perfect in her house. She had a play date, extra space in the basement that was converted in, into a playroom for her and her sisters. Everything in her room was seemed to me like it was, it was Victorian style. She had glass dolls, and I said, my goodness, I can't believe people live like this. I want that. At five, she wanted that. Isn't that, yeah. I think that's weird. That's like a strong feeling. Her first, at five she years said she old. only knew black and Spanish people, and her first friend was Lindsay. So she <laughs> <grew up. laughs> So wait a minute. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Pump the brakes. Lindsay saved her from yeah, herself. Yeah. So apparently she lived in some sort of affordable housing in Stamford, Connecticut, and then went to like the public high schools or public schools or whatever. But yeah, Lindsay is her first friend, and Lindsay lives in the rich side of Stamford, Connecticut. And apparently she decided then, and tell me, Justin, who this reminds you of. In that moment, I decided that I wanted that. I wasn't bitter. I wasn't jealous. I wanted to know how I could become that, how I could live like that. And then you know what happened? They put me in the school system after kindergarten. You start learning. And and the teachers, what are they teaching people actively? Well, the reason Lindsay lives like that and you live like this is because of the color of your skin, right? Oh. (laughs) Oh, wait. I'm not in kindergarten... I yeah, thought I thought, I thought, I thought we were learning sharing. Yeah, yeah. yeah I thought that was like the first lesson. No one's yeah. teaching anything. No, first, but... immediately, you're black. She's white. She will always be better than you. Fuck you. Now let's learn about the ABCs. She, yeah, it's how, she she went to school in a integrated Jim Crow South school from the <laughs> 30s is what she's describing. Yes. But well, Justin, don't you, this is Ted Cruz. She had a moment, yeah. at least Ted Cruz was older, but she had a moment. She was just like, no, I'm changing my life. This is not it. Yeah. It's a, uh, I mean, this is, this is kind of like the financial motivation part of it of like, this, like she's giving you an intro of like, this experience is important because it was like, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to get money. And uh, now we've seen what and that now is. And she's doing it. Yeah. yeah, yeah now she's, she's doing, doing it. it. God bless. She's, she's doing it. She's probably Lindsay's neighbor now. Or nanny. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 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 Sorry. Shots fired. But there's more stuff she talks about after this traumatic thing that happened to her 
in high school, she got an eating disorder, which is awful. Um, but listen to how she frames it. Like she goes to college and and she has this like women's studies class because she studies feminism in, in conjunction with her journalism degree. But by the way, she doesn't say that she left college. She just said that she was earning her degree. Um, but she talks about this eating disorder and then she talks about the reasons why she got it. And apparently, you know, she wanted to refute the idea that society had these preconceived ideas of what a body, uh, the image of a, of a woman's body should be. She refutes all of that. And this is what she says about her experience. There was never an eating disorder because of men. There was something men never said to me. My eating disorder wasn't even about being skinny. It was a control mechanism. When I felt that things in my childhood were out of my control, I said, this is something I can control. I can control how much I eat. And I became obsessed with it because it gave me control and it gave me power. That was what it was about. It had nothing to do with men. The idea of men even calling other women fat is, I mean, that's exclusively a girl-on-girl crime. Can you what? explain that to me, Ariel? What does that mean? She's saying that women, she's saying that. You asking me? Like, no, you want me to crawl uh, into the mind of Candace Owens? <laughs> please, please. When she's making shit up? I mean, okay, so, I mean, who amongst us that has lived in the suburbs has not had an eating disorder? So I, I understand the idea of wanting control. Okay, that makes sense. To make it this, like, feminism thing, like, anti-women. Like, anti um, yeah. I'm just one of the boys, and the boys would never treat me like this kind of thing is weird. It sounds to me like she's trying to get the men on her side. Yeah, and she says, like, yeah, men don't say this. She says women call each other fat. She goes, men call call you know call us thick. What she's mad about is the patriarchy here, not necessarily like it, she, not necessarily women or men. She's mad about. She's described patriarchy and then blamed yes, it on women. Yes. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, it's, yeah. It's, it's it's the bitch's fault. Yeah. Women call <laughs> each other names of fat. And, <laughs> but also men call women fat all the time. So yeah, especially just, white men. I was yeah. thinking about this. Like, are, you're a woman on the internet. You're saying that no one's called you fat. Like the, white men I, in I 2004 or whenever the oh. fuck she's doing this stuff. Come on. That was prime time for, for uh, being skinny. This was still before thickness got popular. Yeah. That was like Jennifer Lopez was still changing white male opinion about. Yeah. Like that, that process hadn't been done yet. Delicious, just one flavor of love. We were just starting to see <laughs> the asses in the media. <laughs> oh man, I hope there's a PhD on that. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna write it. I'm gonna do the dissertation. It, it's it's so funny the way she's describing what it's like to be in like a white male patriarchal environment and how she's victimized by that repeatedly, but then blames it on like women and black people. It's, it's like the black people weren't telling you not to eat in Stanford. In the low-income housing in Stanford, Connecticut, they weren't like, girl, Candace, like, especially if you look at Candace Owens, they're like, like Candace Owens, you are too big. You're too thick. <laughs> yeah, that was not yeah. happening. Now, nobody ever said that to Candace Owens. Where do, yeah. you, where do you think she, if she were to, like, have this idea initially, who do you think is the audience that resonated with this? Who was like, yeah, you're making a good point. Oh, it's th well, th Thomas Sowell had been building this audience before. Thomas Sowell is smarter about it, uh, and he's more creative in the things that he makes up. But he has been cultivating this audience for like tw the last like 25 years or something like that. And other yeah. people like Larry Elder. There are other black uh, conservative voices to where like – 
they all get like sort of primetime stuff. Oh, Jesse Lee Peterson. He's he's brutal. Jesse Lee, Peter, Jesse Lee Peterson is actually less smart than Candace Owens. But he's another guy where he's just like, the problem with the blacks is he's like literally Jesse Lee Peterson is Uncle Ruckus from the Boondocks. Mm. But but he's like he's all over Fox News. He has his, like his own like streaming network and all this yes. other stuff. So th- this hustle had been built for her to walk into. Mm. And she's seems like she's trying to figure out how to like cram her biography into it. You yeah. know what I mean? really is she goes on and this this is just the hits that keep on coming with this thing um she talks about you know she again she's trying to turn all of these different things on themselves and flip it back on liberal mainstream media if you will and i thought this one was like a, a pretty incredible uh segment as well check this out when people know what you are afraid of they can control you okay When people know what you fear, they can control you. And the left has figured out that minorities fear racism. So they call everything racist. I mean, I actually saw an article, and I believe it was the Washington Post, and it said that air was racist. And I thought it was a joke. I was like, this has to be satire. I clicked it. It wasn't. They said that we are breathing worse air than white people. It was amazing. I said, wow, we're, we're here right now. Okay, air is racist. I didn't think, okay. Okay, so she read she read an environmental racism article. So good for her. She read an article um, about how the air quality is probably more poor in poor neighborhoods, places where there are more people of color, and that's the racist part. But she made it, deduced it to it's the air that we breathe is that is that am i right Zena? that's exactly right wow i looked it up one of the washington post it's like the title of it is like redlining leads to poorer air quality Whoa, because wow. of the actual systemic way that uh mm. racism occurred through redlining uh people uh, in those areas, we're closer to mining facilities, coal plants, electrical grids, you name it. They're in shittier areas, urban centers, more traffic, more buses, more trucks. Mm. Obviously, that's less valuable real estate. That's where they push people into, and that's how redlining occurred. And Incredible. what do you expect? Of course, air is going to be worse there. It, it, it's it's so dumb. It's so dumb. It just gets so dumb that you can't even respond to it, right? But again, like... Just watching this, these clips, I'm like, she's such a bad speaker. I want her to go to like a TED Talk conference where she could learn how to speak and say things, but I, she, I guess she doesn't have to. She doesn't have to because her audience is, is that. Yeah, because if you say liberal media or, mm. you know, like it's like it's all they're there for like the, the, the hits. Mm-hmm. It's liberal yeah. media. It's globalist. It's elites. It's like once you throw that stuff in there, you can, you it's know, the air is racist. The liberals so think crazy. the air is. That's racist. a good. That's a good punchline. Uh, I got one more clip from this that uh, where she talks about uh, patriotism. I always say that that moment and and that challenge that was presented to me uh, when Trump came down the escalator, which spiraled and led me here, was a God given moment. And I will tell you what it is that that he's taught me that I think has been the greatest blessing of my life. He taught me for the first time ever how to love the American oh. flag, how to love this country, right? He taught me how to love the red, white, and blue, something that you don't learn in school. Okay, you so don't? it's not like you what? <laughs> I remember when do I was the in school, we had to stand and do the Pledge of Allegiance, <laughs> and we would get in trouble if we did not. 
And so I, in middle school, stopped yeah. doing the pledge. And then they stopped asking me. Oh. So I've been taking <laughs> my liberties very seriously. What about you, Candace? Wow. Okay, I Princess mean, Kaepernick. I love it. That's right. Yeah, it's so anti-intellectual to where it's even like denying the realities of like elementary school at this point. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even, this isn't even talking about college elites. This is like the, those communist fourth grade teachers don't even teach the Pledge of Allegiance, you know. They're teaching, that, they still teach saying- Christopher Columbus discovering America. They, yeah. This is all still happening. But she also just said in kindergarten they were teaching her about racism. So which is it? Is it that the, yeah. the schools are not teaching the kids about racism or that they're teaching them too much about racism? What's going on? You learn in school how to hate America, that you should feel guilty about being American when everyone else is suffering. We should feel guilty about capitalism. We should give it all away. We're horrible people. Trump made me realize that there is so much beauty in patriotism because do you know what? Patriotism does not know color. Ugh. Well, it's just colorblind. Well, except well, except for Hitler's patriotism, yeah, that actually did different. very much know Justin, color. Justin, that's globalism, and I feel like that's what we have a problem with. He wanted to make <laughs> the country great. That's not a problem. It's his other dreams. Those those that poor man's dreams that were the problem. Yeah, it's so weird, this idea that they're also teaching social. It's like really in, in your upwardly mobile Stanford, Connecticut, uh, you know, uh, public schools, they're teaching you to hate capitalism. The, yeah, the people that work for like United Bank of Scotland are having their kids in a school where they're being taught socialism. It's just it's just so like absurd, you know. If you've ever been to Stanford, mm-hmm. Connecticut, by the way, it's just like mostly downtown Stanford is mostly banks and corporations. Okay, we're going to stop there for today, but come back next week to chat more about Candace Owens and how much she loves white people and the White Lives Matter movement, I guess is a good way to put it. See you next week. Uh, This episode was edited by Carlos Fonseca. A big thanks to Demetrios Patelis for legal research and Emily Fusco for her research as well. And of course, this has been a production of Zero Cool and The Last Podcast Network. (laughs) 